Today's episode is brought to you in part by Logos. Logos combines digital books with intelligent software to help you study the Bible deeply. Do word studies with one click, search for virtually anything in your Bible, and enjoy dozens of features that help you see more in Scripture. Right now, you can find my book, Virtuous Persuasion, A Theology of Christian Mission, as well as get a listener discount on Logos by visiting logos.com slash mniebauer. That's logos.com slash mniebauer. What does it mean to remember the Sabbath? If it's supposed to be a day of rest, what exactly should we do on that day? In an increasingly busy world, can Christians really afford to take 24 hours off from our labors each week? Welcome to This We Believe, the podcast where we explain the essential texts of the Christian faith. My name is Dr. Michael Niebauer. The fourth commandment, which closes out the first tablet of the Decalogue, is an exhortation to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We'll begin by exploring the origins of the Sabbath day. If we want to understand the meaning of the Sabbath, we need to turn to the first two chapters of the Bible in the book of Genesis. There we see that God created the world in six days, beginning first with light, then water, land, birds, fish, animals, and finally on the sixth day creating human beings. And it says after this, on the seventh day, God finished his creation by resting and making that Sabbath day holy. Why does God rest? It can't be because God is tired, because God doesn't get tired. Instead, God rested so that he could take a step back and admire what he had created. We can think here of an artist who finishes a painting. Their final step is to take a step back, to view their work as a whole, and delight in what they have accomplished. So God, after designing a beautiful universe, takes a day to simply delight in what he has created. Now, the creation story in Genesis also states that human beings are created in the image of God, and as such, human beings are supposed to have this similar habit of work and rest. Since God created the world in six days, we cultivate God's creation by working in the world six days a week. Since God rested to delight in his creation on the seventh day, we rest and delight in God every seventh day. Human beings are called to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, ultimately, because that is what we are designed to do. Our primary goal in life is to be with God and worship him. So for this reason, keeping the Sabbath is in fact the most important thing that we do each week. To fail to keep the Sabbath is to reject what we are created for. We could even go further to say that the commandment to keep the Sabbath actually encapsulates each of the previous three commandments. It requires that we put God first in our lives. It requires that we take time away from material things. And it requires that we honor God's name in worship. So what do we do in order to keep the Sabbath? We rest 
and we worship. We rest primarily by abstaining from earthly work. We take a day off from work, and usually this happens on Sundays. There can be some flexibility on this. In America, this used to be an easier command to keep, since many states had what we call blue laws, which forbid many businesses from being open on Sundays. What is interesting is that as our society has become less explicitly Christian, we have eliminated most of these laws. We have, in a sense, volunteered to do more work than we need to do, and have demanded that our laws let us work more. Our society has an addiction to work. Many of us have the education and skill sets that make it possible for us to provide food, clothing, and shelter for us and others without having to work more than 40 hours a week. But we often choose to work more than this amount because we want better material things or because we want to get more self-worth from our work by achieving professional success. The command to remember the Sabbath is meant to be a check on our ambition and our striving for material things that we don't really need. If our job forces us to work seven days a week, or we believe we have to work that much to achieve success, we simply abandon those career paths or settle for less success. In so doing, we trust that God will provide all that we really need. Now, the rest that the Sabbath requires goes further than simply the cessation of work. The point of the Sabbath is that we would rest in God. The Sabbath is not meant to be a personal day, where we catch up on our television backlog or run errands. We clear up our schedules so that we devote that time to being with God. We can think here of a married couple that has a weekly date night. They set aside a few hours each Wednesday night, say, in which their focus is simply being with their spouse. They schedule nothing else, they put away their cell phones, and they simply be with each other. Sabbath rest, likewise, is meant to purposefully set aside time for intimacy with God. While some might find that taking a day off of work is difficult, others might find it difficult to set aside the other pursuits in life. One particular challenge we can think of here is for parents whose kids are involved in extracurricular activities. Many of these activities require teenagers to spend the bulk of their Saturdays and Sundays playing soccer, basketball, or attending music rehearsals. As a pastor, I've encountered some families who simply cannot attend church during their child's athletic seasons. Here again is an instance in which one might be forced to choose athletics, extracurriculars, or Sabbath. In making such choices, we reflect that which we value the most. Now, rest does not simply mean the cessation of all activity. It also has an active component to it. As I said earlier, God rests on the seventh day in order to actively delight in his creation. For human beings, we rest so that we might actively delight in God. This active delight is what Christians call worship. In worship, we expend emotional and physical energy in thanksgiving and praise to God. This happens in private times of prayer where we begin by thanking God for creating us, giving us our very existence, and blessing us with friends, with community, and with opportunities to work. We also praise God in these times of prayer. Here we recall the attributes of God, his goodness, his beauty, and in response praise God. 
We can think here of the ways we might praise a good friend by writing them a card. Here we are delighting in someone not because of what they've done, but for who they are. One should thus begin and end their Sabbath with extended periods of prayer. But the culmination of Sabbath worship comes when we engage in corporate worship by going to church. Christianity is a social religion, and God has set aside our communal gathering as a particularly special place and time for worship. We see this command most clearly in the Bible. Shortly after giving Moses the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, God tells Moses to build the tabernacle. This was a special place where the Israelites would gather to be with God. For Christians, we become the tabernacle when we gather together in the name of Christ and worship God by reading scripture, singing songs of praise, and receiving communion. These are unique experiences that one cannot have on their own. Communal experiences by their nature require a community. I cannot play soccer by myself. It requires the existence of others. Similarly, the experience of church is a unique experience of worshiping God together that cannot be replicated by an individual. Now, the keeping of the Sabbath and its culmination in corporate worship are meant not just to provide a respite from the other six days of our week. Instead, by keeping the Sabbath, we learn how to better live in those other six days of the week. On the Sabbath, we learn how to love God, and in church, we learn how to love others. From here, we are called to go back into the world to bring the love of God into the world. We can visualize this by thinking of the church as a kind of mountain. We leave behind our jobs and the toils of the week in the valley below to climb up each Sunday to this mountain where we encounter God's glory. But because Jesus hasn't returned to bring a final end to sin, we can't stay in church forever. We have to go down from the mountain and back into the valley, back into a world of toil and hardship. However, that time spent in church on the mountain prepares us for life in the valley. Our hearts are strengthened by God at church, giving us power to withstand whatever hardships we are facing in our lives. Furthermore, we descend from this mountain with a renewed sense of mission. One of the ways we can envision our mission as Christians is to think of it as working to extend the boundaries of that mountain, of widening the borders of the church. We do this in the valley by loving others in the world as Christ loves us, and by inviting others into a relationship with Jesus Christ, so that they too might climb that mountain with us each Sunday to worship God. We can see in all this just how vital it is for Christians to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. On the Sabbath, we get to do what we are designed to do, rest and delight in God and worship Him alone. On the Sabbath, we get a taste of what we will get to do constantly, perfectly, and joyfully in our heavenly home for eternity. I'd like to thank you for joining me today on This We Believe. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd ask that you please tell one other friend about us by sending them a text message or a social media post. This will go a long way towards helping other people reach us. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to connect further, you can visit our Facebook page at This We Believe Podcast, our Twitter at We underscore Believe underscore Pod, or email This We Believe Podcast at gmail.com. 
Take care and God bless.